I am super excited to be here in the house of worship with you and uh, looking forward to just unpacking the rest of this uh, this uh, three-part series on a true father. We started off on Father's Day, a true father. Jerry, don't you laugh at me now. A true father. And so I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number six. And we're going to begin our reading again at verses one through four, uh, with, with verse four being our, our focal point. And we'll unpack uh, the remaining part of this today. Glory be to God. The text says here, from uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1, the New Living Translation reads this way. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Next verse says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will live and you will have a long life on the earth. Next verse says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Uh, now, guys, as we, we, we've been talking about a true father and what that means. And we talked about in order to be a true father, you got to be a real man, first of all. A real man does what rejects passivity. We said he accepts responsibility. A real man leads courageously. And a real man invests in things that are eternal. He invests eternally. That's what a real man does. And a true father, uh, by virtue of being a true father, is a real man. Okay? Now, we, we began to share with you some things, and we, we've left off on the last part of this when we were talking about what every child needs from dad, what every child needs from dad. And I think uh, when I think about what that says uh, about obeying your father, just like we are uh, commanded in that text to obey our earthly fathers, how many of you know when we become born again believers and we're part of the body of Christ, we've been given the mandate to obey our heavenly father, right? Because Jesus, when he came to earth, when he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, when he began to, to grow in wisdom and stature while here on earth, one of the things that the Bible says, Jesus repeated on several times in the scripture, he says, I'm not going to do anything except what my father told me to do. That's what he said all the time. His obedience to his father, he, his obedience showed his love and his commitment to the father's will. And guys, I'm going to tell you all something. One of the things that as a pastor that sometimes somewhat I, I get a little antsy or I get a little bit disturbed because sometimes I feel like uh, some of the teaching that we're getting and some of the tools that have been placed in your toolbox aren't being picked up out of the toolbox and being utilized. Hello? You know, we just went through a series. We, first of all, uh, beginning probably a little bit, little bit uh, three or four weeks past this time, same time period last year, we started uh, a study by Dr. Tony Evans called uh, Kingdom Disciples. And then we went into a study called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And then we went from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality to Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Did you... How many of y'all went through that study with us, okay? And one of the things that we learned, because it's, it's important for us to know how to have emotionally healthy relationships, because God's assignment for us as believers is to interact with other people. And, and most Christians don't do that so well. We're okay with around me, mine, and mine's, and ours, but when God 
urges us and pushes us toward connecting and building relationship with people who may not look like us, with people who may not act like us, who, who people who didn't come up with the same value system that we came up with. Sometimes, and many times, we struggle with that. Some of us are still struggling with feelings and how to handle our feelings. And, and, and you've been saved for 25 and 30 years, and you still get upset and cuss folk out. I said it like I'm from the country, cuss folk out. <laughs> That's how you say it in Benton, guys. If you're from New York City, you may say, curse people out. <laughs> and, 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 and what I'm discovering is, in the church, we have believers who went through the study, but they're not pulling the tools out of their toolbox and to begin to utilize it in their everyday lives. Guys, we don't just learn this stuff just to learn it. We learn it so that we can get the word down in our heart so that we may not sin against God. So my question to you today is, are you going to do this stuff? I got, I got a couple of phone calls. I'm going to just share this with you briefly. That really blessed my heart because I was, I was pondering on this over this past week because I, I, you know, I told you, uh, I think a couple of Sundays ago I was preaching. I said, there are times, guys, and I, I can't explain this, but there are some times when I'm up preaching or sharing or just walking around the church or doing whatever, and I can feel the hurt and the pain and the wounds of those in the pews. I can't explain it. One time I was just preaching, I just felt somebody's father wound. It just hit me right there in the spirit. I, I, I couldn't control myself because I, I felt your hurt. And so one of the things that we got to realize is that as, 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 we're, as, we're, as we're dealing with this issue uh, of whatever it is, uh, we got to learn how to take the word of God and put it into action in our everyday lives. And so, again, I, I was thinking about that this week. I said, God, how do we get people to move from just hearing the word and become doers of the word? And I got, I, got a, I got a couple of phone calls that really encouraged me to let me know that, hey, you keep preaching and doing what you're doing. There's a, a lady that called me out of the, called the church out of the blue. She called the church. She says, um, may I speak to the pastor? Is the pastor there? Which, which, again, I get those calls all the time. And usually somebody is looking to sell something or they asking for something. And so I, I, I'm, I, I'm here. I am answering the phone call. I'm saying, yes, this is the pastor. How many of y'all do that because you think it's a sales call, don't you? You, kind of, you don't want to lie. Hello? Because if I were to poll the audience right now, some of y'all would have been caught lying when you picked up the phone. Is Miss Jones there? You change your voice. Oh, no, she's not here. You are Miss Jones. And you do know the Lord is watching you. You don't have to talk to everybody that calls you, but don't lie. Amen? Because lying is a sin, right? So I'm here picking the phone call up, and, 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 and she begins to talk to me. And guys, here's what she told me. She says, I've been in church all my life. She says, as a matter of fact, I used to play piano in the church, and, and everybody claims that they're a Christian, she says she's discovered in her life that, that everybody claims that they're a Christian don't really live it out in their everyday life. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do know what you're talking about. And then, then she, she proceeded to go on and tell me about one of our members. She says, now, I don't know about anybody else, she said, but this, this person here is the real deal. Now, when she's taking Christianity out of the church and living it out, she's, she helped this lady start her own business. The business was in competition with her business, but she, she sat there and, and worked with this lady. She told her what she did, what the Lord had told her to share with her. And this, this lady said she had to call me and tell me that somebody is doing what you're preaching. She was talking about Mandy Neal. 
I, I, Mandy Neal, I remember here, who, who is, and y'all know her story. She believed God for about 12 years for her business opportunity. And God is blessing her business hand over fist because she trusts God and she souls into the kingdom. And God is, is, is bringing, amen, blessings her way. But not only that, but she's willing to help somebody else. See, here's what, I, here's what I believe in life. As a church family, I believe God is going to use us to help other churches. Not that we're all that. Not that we, you know, it, we're not better than anybody. But if we've had an experience somewhere and we've done some things that have helped uh, minister people's lives, I think we ought to be able to share that. We, we do this all the time. When, when we have equipment, we upgrade, we'll give stuff away. We don't go and sell it. We'll bless a smaller church with it. Some of our guys just, just a couple of weeks ago were going and helping the church up here in Benton get their sound system together for when they come back and gather on this first Sunday in July. Just going and helping. We're not charging anybody. We want to help somebody. And that's the kind of spirit that God wants. And, and, uh, uh, and that really blessed me when that lady told me, she, you know, she didn't know me from Adam, but she wanted me to know that somebody is living this stuff out. I got another phone call from one of my members who shared with me about the teaching we've been doing on manhood. And he shared with me about how, and it really, really blessed my heart because he says, I've been taking notes. I've been, I've been taking this stuff in and I, and I, I got a chance to utilize that in helping me uh, deal with my father and, and to deal with the father wound and, and orchestrating a situation where they can begin to, uh, to lay the wounds out on the table and begin to deal with it. Man, that blessed my socks off because here I am thinking all week long, you know, people ain't listening. Well, some of them not, <laughs> but some are. And I believe God, what God does is God gives you that, that little ink and say, hey, listen, you better keep doing what you're doing. So I'm going to keep preaching the H-E-double-L out of all of us. Because all of us have a little H-D-double-L in us because we're sinful. This, this is the last time I'm going to say, say, touch, say, touch your neighbor. Say, so you got a little H-E-double-L in you. Say, so pastor's going to preach it out of you. Okay. All right. All right. Get back. To, get back. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Watch this again. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse number four. Watch this. I got to finish this today. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. I got news for you. My expectation is that when we teach it, that you begin to apply it. And if you've been saved for any long long period of time, if you are a a leader of a ministry, I have a higher expectation of you. I I don't need you to be wigging out. And, 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 and going off on people and you, and you getting all this teaching about how to have a healthy relationship, we got to do this stuff. You know, Nike, back in the, I think it was the 80s or whatever, came out with the slogan, just do it. That slogan lasts a long time. I think that, that slogan is still relevant and, and, and is available for us as a church to begin to use as a model, let's just do this stuff. Don't, don't, don't sit back and wait on, wait. You, you can't, I, I'll tell you all this before, don't wait on your feelings, be obedient and let your feelings catch up. How many of y'all heard me say it before? Listen, our job is not to feel it first. Well, pastor, I don't feel it. Well, I'll tell you before, go get a piece of lead and put your hand on it and feel it and do what the word says. We are to be obedient. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. 
So, so we got we to gotta do this stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for members, believers, Christians, not just members, but born-again believers to begin to do the word and not just hear it. And you got to do it in your everyday life. So whatever child needs from dad, let's, let's see if we can wrap this up and put a bow on it today. <laughs> y'all laughing at me. I don't know why y'all laughing at me. We said, number one, time together. Every child needs time together with their dad. That's critically important. You can't get those years back. You can't get them back. Because there's a, I, I promise you there will come a period of time when they probably may not want to spend as much time with you as they wanted to when they were growing up. Come on, Daddy, can we go outside and play? Oh, go on out there. I'll be out there after a while, and then you fall asleep on the couch. Get out there and go play ball. You may be tired, but, but spend that time with your child. Whatever it may be. I told you, you know, time with your wife. I told you about shopping. Husbands, go, go shopping with your wife and act like you like it if you don't. Amen. Time together. Number two, we said what? Uh, life skills. You need to teach them life skills. Number three, we said uh, direction with solid God-ordained answers to the why questions in life. And you can't give them the answer to the why question if you have been in your word understanding the why question, the why behind the what. Okay? Number four, we said, here's what we left off, deep life convictions. Everybody say deep life convictions. So let's start to unpack right there. Okay, now we said fathers provoke not your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. We know that the Apostle Paul is writing this text and he begins to in the latter part of this book, like he does in all of his letters to the churches. He tells them what to believe, gives them doctrine. We got to have sound biblical doctrine because you don't have sound biblical doctrine. Anybody can come in and sway you to believe anything. You got to know what you believe and why you why, why you believe what you believe. Okay. Don't be swayed by every wind and doctrine that comes along. Be grounded in the, in the truth. And then he tell them what to believe. Then now he begins to tell them how to apply that in their everyday lives. Okay. So he says, he says, rather bring them up in the discipline and destruction that comes from the Lord. I made this statement on last week and that's, that's repeated. We're going to jump back off into it right now. He says, I said, you will leave in your child what you have lived out in your home. Can we read that together? Let's read it. You will leave. Now, make it personal. Say, I will leave in my child what I have lived out in my home. Not what I talked about. Not what I taught about in Sunday school. Not what I preached about on Sunday morning. But I'm going to leave in my child. You're going to leave in your child what you lived out in your home. Is it any wonder that when we grow up, sometimes people say, you're just like your daddy. Not only looks but, but actions. Did you just like your mama? And some, sometimes that makes you mad because you don't want to be like mama. <laughs> Can't get a witness. But, but, but that's, that's truth in that because many times we pick up stuff that just by being there. Are y'all with me? You leave, you will leave in your child what you have lived out in your home. Question. What are the beneath the surface failures that that undermine deep discipleship and keep Christians from becoming spiritually mature. What, what, let's, let's, let's unpack that because we're talking about fathers and being a good father, a true father. And many times fathers uh, tend to, if they're not careful, will fall short in this area. Okay? What, what, what are the beneath the surface failures that undermine deep discipleship 
and keep Christians from becoming spiritual mature. Because that's, that's, as a pastor, that's what I'm, all, I'm, I'm concerned about it all the time. Because because I know I know many in the church. You know, I'm not saying you're not born again, but God is trying to get all of us. He's trying to position all of us to a point to where we can be effective in reaching others for Christ. And I can't be effective reaching others for Christ if I only talk this stuff and I don't do it. Are y'all with me? Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving what? Your own self. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. For you just be a hearer and not a doer, you're deceiving your own self. So God, there are several failures that contribute to uh, us becoming spiritually mature, but one of the main ones to watch out for is emotional immaturity. That's why we spent a lot of time, we spent half a year almost talking about emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationship because most Christians don't do it well. All right? All of us can be affected by this, but men and fathers have to especially be on guard against emotionally healthy, emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Well, we're not, we're not in touch with our emotions. We're not in a position where we really have allowed God to deal with us on that deeper level. Because we don't want to talk about nothing. We want to talk about sports. Who else you signed? Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Who's going to win the NBA Finals? Man, have you seen Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, how they play? Do you think Milwaukee can win it without the big man, in, the Greek freak, freak, is that what they call it? Can, can they win? See, we can talk about that kind of stuff, but tell me how you felt when your wife hollered at you in front of everybody at church and made you feel like that. Did you just clam up and go home with mad for a week? Or were you able to say, like a, like a real man would say, you know what, when you said that, that embarrassed me and that was hurtful. Because most guys ain't gonna, most guys aren't gonna say that was hurtful. They'll get mad. They're gonna get mad, but they're not gonna tell you how it made them feel. And so that emotional immaturity a lot of times causes dads and, 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 and men in general not to be where God wants us to be on the spiritual spectrum. Over time, guys, our expectations, here's what I, Here's what, I, here's what I've discovered. Over time, our expectations of what it means to be spiritual have actually dissipated to the point that, that, that we don't even see some of the glaring inconsistencies in, a, in the lives of those of us who call ourselves Christians. For example, we've learned to accept uh, that you can be a, a gifted speaker for God in public and be a detached spouse and an angry parent at home. Can't tell you the number of, of, of children of, of pastors who we talk to that 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 they are discouraged and, and don't want anything to do with church because they don't see dad living it out or mom living it out at home. Can't tell you the number of first ladies or, or, or pastors' wives who are miserable, but they come to church and they smile, sit in the corner with their hat on. <laughs> in some churches, you know, sometimes you sit with the hat on. She's dressed up real nice. Some churches, like this one, my wife, she, she's cool. She don't, she don't have to try to have a, quote, pastor's wife image. You know, she got to have that long dress. <laughs> Are y'all listening to me? She, she, she's free. Everybody say, Maria is free. 
Y'all know she's free. Come on. So she's not going to be put in a box by stereotypical images that people have, okay? And so whom the son sets free is free indeed. We talked about this uh, on last uh, Wednesday night, uh, handling our differences, because there are a lot of people, a lot of people uh, will fall out with you about dress code in the church. Now, again, we ought to dress in moderation, sisters, sisters. I said, oh, sisters. Dress in moderation. Don't come in here. And making it hard on the brothers. <laughs> By what you're wearing. Not leaving much to the imagination. Dressed in moderation. I mean, you can be stylish as you want to be, but then, you know, don't, be, don't, 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 don't skin tight. <laughs> so how players used to have a song back in the 80s, skin tight. Any, 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 any of y'all know what I'm talking about? Any old school heads? Look at Richard. He remembers skin tight. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> don't we address up here? I, I was talking to one of my, my friends, a uh, 70-year-old uh, brother. He goes to another church here in, in, the, in the city, the town. It's not the city, it's the town. Uh, he, was, he was telling me, he says, he says, he says Brother Doyle, some of those ladies, you know, they come in there and they, and they have those tight uh, uh, pants on. And, you know, I'm 70-something, but, you know, I ain't dead. I said, I hear you, brother. <laughs> you ain't that. See, you know, when I was young, I thought people past 40 didn't think about sex. Until <laughs> I got past 40. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Okay. God, God y- y'all got to hold, hold me today, okay? It's freedom day. <laughs> so, so, uh, so but, but again, dress in moderation, okay? Uh, but again, let's go back. Get back to the point. I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked here. Y'all get me? So, so you, you can be a gifted speaker for God in public and detached spouse or an angry parent at home. You can function as a leader and yet be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. Did y'all hear me? You can quote the Bible with ease and still be unaware of your response. To how you respond to people. And many times people who quote Christian respond to other Christians in a negative way. I, I remember this very vividly when um, uh, there was, when, uh, y'all yeah, remember Barn Hills was open on East Texas Street there in Bowser City. And, and on Sundays, that's when the church crowd came in. A lot of preachers and others that came from church. And I was talking to Pastor Anderson one time. He was talking about, because Pastor Anderson, when he goes there, he, he, he would go there quite often. He would tip the waitresses real good. So when you, when you learn how to tip real good, I mean, people will try to fight to get to your table. And so what Maria and I, I told you before, what we start doing is if, if somebody is, is, is serving us well, well, we'll tip above and beyond because we want to we be a blessing. Just the other day, uh, we were out eating, and uh, this young lady was doing a, a yeoman's job. She was serving us well, just nice and whatever, getting the food out on time. And, and the ticket mail was $60, I believe. We tipped her $40. Now, normally you, you t- tip 15 to 20%, maybe 25%. So 10% of 60 would have been what? Come on, quick, 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 quick. $6, all right. 20% would have been double that. What's $12, okay? 25% would have been what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 15. So it get tough math, isn't it? But we tipped her $40. She said, oh, no, that's too much. And I said, no, no. 
We just want to bless you. So, 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 so when Christians would come to Barnhills after church, the waitress started telling Pastor Anderson, they said they hate to see the, the church folks come in. They said the church folks are rude. They can be nasty. They can talk in a demeaning way. And then won't even tip good well. Don't you be that kind of Christian. All right? You represent God wherever you go. And what we learn to do is we learn how to, we learn how to, to, to represent Christ well. I told y'all, even when we go sometimes, we go to, when we go to fast food restaurants, and the person who's taking the order is real super nice and has a jovial attitude, we don't see that. It's, it's sort of rare. So when we see that, we, say, we just go to one and say, hey, here, here's $20. You were, you were so nice and kind. Keep doing that. I'm going to challenge some of y'all to do that. Y'all listen to me about via live stream and thank God you listen about via live stream. Go and be a blessing to somebody. Go and be a blessing to somebody. Help them, Sister Henry. I know you can do it. Mama Kirk, Mama Kirk, listen, Mama, that's my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law will bless. She's on a fixed income, but she knows how to sow. And that's what my wife gets it from. My wife is a sower. She gets it from her mother. Mother, mother. mother, while she was working, didn't make a whole lot of money, but she was a giver. And God has blessed her. Can I get five witnesses up in here? I know her children will say, God has blessed her. She's 90 years old. Bless you, mama. You're looking good over there. So, so, so guys, we got to live this stuff out. We gotta, see, see, you, you, can, you can fast and pray regularly and yet remain critical of others, justified it as spiritual discernment. You can, you, can, you can lead people for God when in reality your primary motive is an unhealthy need to be admired by others. Some of y'all got an unhealthy need to be admired by others. And you get your feelings hurt if your name is not called. If you did it for the Lord, what does it matter if your name was called? Hello? Well, you know, Pastor Adam didn't, didn't mention the fact that I ran around here and did this and this. And I'm gonna, so so I, I, I ain't doing it next time. Well, see, you're looking for your, your reward is just to get the praise of men. See, that's what emotionally immature people, you, you can be hurt by the unkind comments of a coworker and justify saying nothing because you avoid conflict at all costs because you're emotionally immature. You can serve tirelessly in multiple ministries and yet carry resentment in your heart because there's little personal time for healthy self-care. See, all these are signs of somebody who's emotionally Immature. All of these are examples of emotional immaturity in action, and yet we don't see them as the glaring contradiction that they are. Guys, why? Why? Because, because we've disconnected emotional health from spiritual health. That's the thing that we learn in emotionally healthy spirituality. It is impossible for you to be spiritually mature, yet at the same time being emotionally immature. And we see it all the time in the church. I've had people, and God knows I love everybody, and people, as I tell you, people come and people go. And I always want people to, whenever somebody comes, I want to know, did the Holy Spirit lead you here? If the Holy Spirit led you here, then you're in the, you're in the right place. If the Holy Spirit says it's time to go somewhere else, then it's time to go somewhere else. But don't ever leave a place mad. And have enough spiritual maturity. If there is an issue, you go to the person one-on-one and tell them this fault between thee and him alone instead of telling everybody else in the church, complaining and whining and being a mess maker. A mess maker is somebody who sows discord amongst the brethren. 
Carl Jones, he yeah, Carl Jones did this shit, and, he, and I didn't like that. And, and Carl, no, he had to do it way. He talked to me the way. You know, I just, I, he ain't right. Well, have, you, have you talked to Carl Jones? Nah, I ain't talked to him. I don't want to start no mess. You start a mess. But <laughs> be biblical. The Bible says Jesus taught it explicitly. If there's an all between you and your brother, go to him one-on-one. Tell him it's far between you and him alone. If he hears it, you gain the brother. If not, take two or three more spiritual people with you. And share it because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everywhere will be established. And if you still don't hear it, then now you break, if it rises to the level where it's a church discipline issue, then you bring it before church council. And if that person continues to, to act in such an untoward way, then you have to deal with them in disfellowship. That's church discipline. One-on-one. Jesus laid it out. So let's be that way. Where do we get the idea, guys? That it's possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And we give people a pass, too. Just because you can sing well don't mean that you that you got to be rude to the musicians and rude to the the the, 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 uh, the hospitality workers in the back. You, you, just because your name is this, you can just be rude to any and everybody. No, 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 no. That's, that, that doesn't work. But there are several reasons why that is. But the major one, I only have time to deal with this. This, this major one, and y'all need to hear this because I'm going to spend the rest of my time unpacking this. We no longer, here's, here's the problem. We no longer measure our love for God by the degree to which we love others. Let that sink in. Somewhere along the line, the church and believers have gotten to the point to where we no longer measure our love for God by the degree to which we love others. How else, guys, could you declare that I'm a Christian who loves Jesus but refuse to allow someone who's of a different ethnicity to join your church? It ain't yours in the first place, but you think it is. Join your church and worship together with you. How do you do that? How, how else can you read your Bible and pray yet still harbor unforgiveness in your heart towards another person and think you're okay with God? I said, think you're okay with God. And you got unforgiveness in your heart and you think you're okay with God. I've shared it before and I said it again. It's, listen, if your horizontal relationship with people is out of whack, your vertical relationship with God is going to be affected. How else can you sing Amazing Grace on Sunday morning and curse your wife out, your children, and the dog out on Sunday night? How else? It's because we no longer measure our love for God by the degree to which we love others. Jesus repeatedly focused on the connection between loving God and loving other people. When asked the question about what is the greatest commandment, notice Jesus' response. Let's go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and we're going to read that verse number 34. Let's look at what Jesus says. Because if you think that you're okay with God, and your relationship with other people is just raggedy and tore up? Or you don't have to deal with people? Some of y'all say, well, I don't like people. Well, baby, let me tell you something. You better stay out of God. Because God is in the people. As a matter of fact, he sent his son to die on the cross for people. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm harping on this. We got to learn how to get better at this. Because, you know, Sunday morning faking don't do, do, do nothing for me. And it shouldn't do anything for you. you. You make yourself feel good, your conscience. But what are you living when you leave here? What's happening? How are you described? What would people say about you if I went to your place of employment and asked, hey, do you know, Brenda, do you know uh, uh, Devin at school? Do you know 
How would you describe them? What kind of person are they? Mm. I said, they're, they're, they're one of my our, our best church members. Are you sure? See, what we do out there should be a reflection of what we're learning in here. Watch Jesus here. Because again, here's what we've done. Somewhere along the line, we fooled ourselves into thinking we can be okay with God and have messed up relationships. Now, again, everybody, everybody, I'm not, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Some people won't let you live peaceably with them. Because the Bible says, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Some folks are cantankerous and ornery, and they're not going to let you, but you got to do your part. Don't you be guilty. I said, don't you be guilty. Because when we have to stand before the Bema judgment seat of Christ, the only person, the only person you got to answer for is yourself. You can't answer for your mama, your daddy, your children, your husband, your wife. You got to answer for yourself. So you better make sure you're doing it right. Look at what Jesus says. Watch this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. Everybody say again. They met together to question him again. Now watch this. Watch this. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. They were always trying to do this. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The, this is the first and greatest commandment. Watch this. A second is equally important. It is equally, it, it's, it's on the same level. It's on the same place. It is equally as important as loving God. It says, what did he say? Love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you, how, how do you misunderstand that? How are you going to love God and hate people? Jesus says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Verse number 40. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If you go back and bundle up all of the old covenant, the old testament, all the prophets, and what they were prophesying and what they were pointing toward, it's wrapped up in these two things. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you don't have to know anything else. If you just do that, you're going to be all right with God. Is that what he said? Is that what Jesus is saying here, guys? The Apostle Paul made the same point in his first letter to the church at Corinth. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll just look at verses 1 through 3 real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, y'all know it's known as the love chapter, right? We read it at weddings sometimes. And how many of y'all know you, need to know you need to know what love looks like? Because let me tell you something, I've, I've married folks who didn't know what love really was. They thought it was a feeling only. I love her. I love him. He's handsome. He's fine. Don't you marry somebody just because the way they look on the outside? Because it changes. She don't have four of your babies. 
And she, not, she, she may not look the same. 1 Corinthians 13, he's, he's, uh, he's well, he's, he's changed too, okay. <laughs> I promise you, I don't look like I was when I was 5'9", 195, playing free safety, losing a take. I wish I was. I'm trying to get back there. But, but I'm not there. All right? So things change. Everybody say things change. Watch this. If I could speak all the language of the earth and, and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Watch this. Verse 2 says what? If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Watch this. Verse 3. Watch this. If I ever gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained what? Nothing. In other words, guys, think about this for a second. He says all the things that we do don't amount to anything if we're not operating in love. Oh, yes, yes, you fed a hungry family for five years, but if you didn't do it in love and if you did it just so you could kind of brag about your spiritual accomplishments, doesn't amount to a hill of beans. In other words, if those around us consistently watch this, uh, what we're saying is we, we do this stuff and then we act ugly when we're not in church. If, 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 if those around us consistently experience an, an unapproachable, cold, defensive, rigid, or judgmental person, Scripture says we are spiritually immature. And what, what bothers me sometimes is people who've been walking with this ministry for a long time and you still are spiritually immature. Can't even handle having a conversation with people or get defensive when somebody points out something that maybe needs to be bettered or corrected. Listen, I've learned, guys, that I don't, I've learned over the years, I don't know it all. I don't have it all. One thing, I've, one thing that's really blessed me, and I think it's going to help me to live longer, is to have the team that we have around me to do the work of ministry and we need some others on this team when you as, as the Lord brings you in we need to plug you in so you can help the team do what he's do I've learned how not to worry about certain stuff I mean I want to know what's going on but but I want to have trusted people who 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 who's who gonna get it done and get it done with the right attitude I tell our staff all the time I said we get to serve this is a privilege to serve we come in every day and we're serving, trying to make things right. So you better do it with the right attitude. If they, if, listen, you got my permission. If they don't do it with the right attitude, talk to me. Because we're not going to have people representing EBC with your shirt on. Mean mugging folks when they come to church. And I thank God y'all don't do that because I've gotten plenty of reports talking about how friendly and warm you guys are. And that's the kind of way we want to serve that way, Okay. The most radical expression of Jesus' teaching about love was also one of his most fundamental principles. Go to Matthew 5, verse 43 through 48. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 43 through 48. Come on, we got to move. Matthew 5, 43 says, you have, heard the law, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Have y'all heard it? Watch this. But I say what? Love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you. My God. Keep reading. It says what? 
In that way, you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. For he, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Let's keep going. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, hello, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. You're nice and kind to everybody that's, that's your friends. You know them. And they, they do things exactly the way you want it done. So you're cool with them. But if anybody does something different, you're all off base with them. But you ought to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect, being mature. Okay? And, and depending on where we are on, on a spiritual development plane, our, our, our level of maturity will, will be reflected. Okay? Jesus radically reversed the teaching of the first century rabbis who stressed. They, the first century rabbis stress relationship with God at the expense of relationship with others. They, they stress relationship with God at the expense of relationship with others. If you were, listen, if you were in worship and realized someone had something against you, the rabbis of that day taught that you should complete your worship to God since God is always first and then reconcile with the other person. But Jesus turned that teaching upside down. Look at, look at Matthew 5, and let's look at verse number 23 and 24 right quick. I think that's where I want to go. He turned it upside down. Because people say, you know, there, there are people who, who give all their time to God, and you ought to, you ought to put God first in your life. But we got to have a, a time and a moment to do this stuff. I don't, I don't want you at the church five days a week doing some ministry. I need you to be out there in your homes, on your jobs, in your community, living this stuff out. Okay, and I, I think most of y'all will agree that this church's uh, ministry schedule is not too, it's not that laborious. Okay, in other words, you, you, we try to give you plenty of time to go and do this stuff, to meet outside the four walls of the church, and that's something that we, we're learning to do at, at, at a greater level now. Because how many, how many of y'all know I've been talking about this for a long time? Because we can come here, we can, we, we call it fellowship. We come here and love and hug on each other and have a great time and leave and go out. And see each other on Wednesday, love and hug on each other, and go out, and then we don't see each other except on Sundays and Wednesdays. That ain't doing life together. No church member has ever been over your house. You have never been over another church member's house. How are you doing life together? Well, I see him at church, Pastor. Everybody says you gotta go deeper. Watch the text here. So if you're if you're presenting a listen to what Jesus does. His teaching radically opposes what the rabbis of the day taught. The rabbis of the day said, you know, listen, it's God first, and, and, and you, you, you make sure you take care of what you're going to do with God first. But look at what Jesus says. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, look, look what did he say? Leave. Everybody say leave. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now watch this, guys. What, what did I say when I started this? We no longer measure our love for God by the degree to which we love others. I'm here to tell you, there's, there's something wrong with that. That's, that was the issue with the church all along in America. There was stuff that, that, that we were treating people differently who didn't look like us and, and, and thought we were okay because we came, we worshiped God. But what did you do out there? Jesus says, you leave your 
your, your sacrifices offered and go reconcile with that, bro, that brother sister, that, or that person who you got alt with. That was radically different. What Jesus taught and modeled was that our love for God was measured, listen to this, was measured by the degree to which we love others. I'm going to repeat that. What, G, what Jesus taught and modeled was that our love for God was measured by the degree to which we love others. In fact, he was so clear about it that it would have been unthinkable for his followers to think otherwise. And yet they did. And yet so do many of us. We see it clear in the scripture. He says, get it right with your fellow man before you come running to the altar talking about, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. I'm here to offer sacrifice. Now God said, no, 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 no. There's some stuff you got to get right with that person over there. You know it. You know about it. They know about it. But you're not talking about it. We got to start measuring our love for God by the degree to which we love others. Amen? Are y'all with me today? If we fail to measure our love for God by our love for others, we're going to limit our spiritual and emotional growth. Some stuff needs to be talked out, worked out. And we gave you the tools. If you want the course, we still got, we still got some materials, some books in there. Emotionally healthy relationship is something that everybody needs to go through. And let me say something also. This, this next course for EBC members is mandatory. Building a multi-ethnic church is mandatory. Now, you, can, you say, well, you can't make it mandatory for me. I can't. If I don't want to take it, I don't want to take it. <laughs> well, can I point you, point you to the scripture? Because I, 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 I don't want you to take my word for it. Can we go to the Bible? How many of y'all believe the Bible is true? How many of y'all believe the Bible is true? And it's God's word for us. Go to Hebrews. This is, this is not in the, in the notes. But the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my spirit. Go to Hebrews. Chapter 13, I believe it is. Come on. Uh, verse 15. Hebrews 13, verse 15. What did I just say? I just said that this course is mandatory for EBC members. And we're going to invite others to come and join along with us. Guys, guess what? Also, uh, and we're going to, you're going to see announcements come out. The guy who wrote the book is going, to, is going to join us via Zoom, and we're going to have conversation with the guy who wrote the book. He did an awesome job of doctrinally and theologically making the biblical case that God's plan all along, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of Christ was that he was going to break down the middle wall of petition and bring different ethnic groups together into one body to show unity so that the world can know that God is a God of love. It's all throughout the New Testament. And yet we've neglected that. Now we know how, we know the why behind the what. We know how we got here. And we'll study how we got here. But we got to keep, we got to stop talking about how we got here and start talking about how we can do it differently. You can spend all your time to keep talking about, well, I know how we got here. We got here because the, 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 the primarily white evangelical church, amen, was a segregated racist institution from slavery on up. As, as, uh, Dr. Tony Evans did a yeoman's job speaking at the National Religious Broadcast Commission, and he said it so eloquently how it is that the different churches have wrapped themselves in idols. The predominantly white church has and the predominantly black church has. Because y'all have heard me preach this before. It ain't about your ethnicity. Not appreciate and celebrate your ethnicity, but don't make your ethnicity a God. It ain't about your blackness. It's about your Christness. It ain't about your whiteness. It's about your Christness. Who are you? 
So some people don't like to hear this. Some people won't invite me to their church, which is fine. I got enough to do right here. <laughs> Y'all guys, I'm, I'm not looking to go preach anywhere else. I'm, I'm really not because I have enough to do here. I'm not looking to run. To, to, to run. Some, some guys run. That's, got, that's fine. That's what God gave you. You run 15 revivals a year. That's cool. I'm, I know I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm, I'm operating in my purpose. So I'm, I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm not trying to sugarcoat the word of God to keep somebody. It ain't about how much money you give. It's not about what you do. It's about the word of God. And what I've discovered after 32 years of passing, if I just do what God said in his word, he'll take care of everything else. And, I, and he has been faithful as the day is long. All right, I got to move. Because I told you I'm going to finish this today. Therefore, watch this. Now, again, I, I said it for all EBC members. Your pastor said this is mandatory. Now, here's where your heart is going to be revealed. Because I'm going to give you Bible. I'm not going to tell you what Doyle Adams said. Here's what the Bible says. Look at what Hebrew says. Why? As a matter of fact, let's go. Well, we'll read from the NLT. I'm going to go to the KJV. Watch this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Next verse says what? And don't forget to do good. And to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Let's read. Uh, obey your spiritual leaders. Now, by virtue of me being the pastor, in the pastor, I'm not anybody special, but the position of the pastor is a spiritual leadership position. Would, would, you, would you not agree? Can we all agree on that? If we can't agree on that, then something wrong. Because the Bible is very clear. Obey your spiritual leaders and what? What did your spiritual leader just say? We're going to have the class, and if you're a member of the church, it's mandatory that you... Listen, we're not going to... Listen. Listen to me carefully. Here's where your obedience comes in. See, pride will rise up, and some of y'all, I don't know man tell me what to do. What did the word just say? Now, I need y'all to read it to me. Obey your spiritual leaders. Now, let me ask you a question. Is what I'm telling you to do wrong? Studying the word of God. I just told you, I read the book. I listened to the book. It is so doctrinally sound and so on point that you have to pay somebody to misunderstand what the mystery of God in this was. All right, so I got, we got to read again. And, and those that are listening to me by live stream, I want y'all to do it too. Now, every, every ministry leader, uh, officer, you, it's mandatory for you. Can I get two amens? What did this just say? I'm not making this up. It's a word. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is what? To watch over your souls. I am not going to go before the beam of judgment seat of Christ and him in Christ dress me down because I didn't tell you the truth. I ain't going to do it. Not, not knowingly. <laughs> Look at this next verse. This scripture it says, give them reason to do this with what joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit. Give them reason to do this with what? In other words, to watch over your souls 
because I'm accountable to God. And don't make it sorrowful for me because it's sorrowful for me when I see Christians who, who refuse to engage in the discipleship training process. And then when, when things break down, now you want to come and talk. Marriage is falling apart. Well, you ain't doing the word. Finances are tore up from the floor up. I said flow up. I'm spelling it F-L-O-W. <laughs> Little colloquialism there. From the tore up from the floor up. It says obey your spirit. Now, I don't say that in a braggadocious, uh, arrogant way. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. And I know I've been in this thing long enough to know that you can't make anybody do anything. Grown people will do what grown people want to do. But when you don't do it, you are disobedient. And you, when you are disobedient, you're out of the will of God. And there we go back again. How do you think that, listen to me, that, that, that you no longer measure your, your love for God by the degree to which you love others? So if your pastor leader is, is following the word of God and says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say, but you don't do what they say, how do you think you can still be all right with God and be disobedient to what his word just said? All right. So y'all got that? This is important because we need to know, I'm here to tell you, God is up to something that's humongous and far beyond EBC and Ben. And I need everybody's person to him mind right. Black and white mind need to be right. And when I mean right, I mean it lines up with scripture. Because when you go to the scripture and you see this, it's going to mess with some of your feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. Some of y'all operate by feelings. And I want you to be biblical. Be obedient and let your feelings catch up. All right? So dad's heart, watch this. I'm finishing. Your relationship with God cannot be separated from your relationship with other people. And how you get along with other people? You can't, how are you going to say you love God and be all right with God and hate people because of the way they look on the outside? The devil is a liar. And we ain't going to let him lie up in here. We're going to preach that hell out. All right, watch this. So, so, Dad, every child needs to hear these three things from Dad. I love you. I'm proud of you. I told this a couple weeks ago. And I am affirming you. They need to hear that. God the Father did it for God the Son. After his baptism in the Jordan River, he says, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. Don't just do it by taking care of your family. Your family needs to hear you, Father, say I love you. Nothing like that coming from dad. Mom say it all the time. But what about Papa? Listen to this. Whatever child needs for dad to know, watch this. Number one, and, it, and, and it, guys, these, these, this is not something about these things I got from, you guys remember this. We, we did a study, uh, one of the authentic manhood uh, studies we did was winning at work and at home. And I pulled this directly direct from that. That's a resource too, guys. Don't put that book away and don't ever look, at, look back at it again. We, we went, went through this six, seven years ago. But I pulled these back and it jumped off the page and said, listen, we need to hear this again. Every child needs dad to know somebody must be there for me in the early years. It's critical for my development. They need to know that. Be there in the early years, Dad. Don't, don't, don't leave it to Mom to do all the nurturing and development. You need to be there too. Second thing, I need you to know my personality and honor it. Is that right? I'm, I'm, I'm jumping here, okay? I'm jumping here. I need a balance of discipline, instruction, and love growing up. I need a balance 
of discipline, instruction, and love growing up. Your only interaction with your child, father, shouldn't be the the one to come in and give the whipping. They need some instruction. You need to teach them. You need to love on them. Hug your sons. I, I hug my son, and I tell my son, I love you all the time. And my daughters. Dads, okay? They need, they need to hear that. And also you need to live it out too, okay? Uh, thirdly, I need you to know my personality and honor it. The sooner the better. Different children have different personality bent. They ain't the same. How many of y'all got more than, uh, more than one? If you got more than one, you know they are radically different in a lot of cases, right? So, so don't try to measure the other one against the other one. That, that causes resentment. They're different. You have to handle them a little different. Right? I know mine are. Some are more sensitive than the others. Get the feelings hurt. Others, they just kind of go on. They, you know, they, they cool. Or they, they, it rolls off their, their back like water on a duck's back. But you got the other one, they broke and hurt. Because you walk by and didn't say anything. Oh. Learn how to deal with them, okay? Uh, I need you to discover my bent and actively support it. Dad, every son won't be an athlete. I thank God for athletics. I learned a lot from playing high school ball and college ball. But everybody's not going to play football. Everybody's going to play basketball. Everybody's going to play baseball. And that's cool, too. Whatever that natural bent is, you help them move toward that. Okay? I need you to no, I need you to know too much is too much. How many of y'all have heard people say, say this phrase? You're just doing the most. You're just doing too much. <laughs> and sometimes parents be doing too much. And you end up enabling the child rather than nurturing and developing and teaching the child. Too much control crushes or incites. Too much money, hear me carefully, spoils and pacifies. You better stop feeding that 35-year-old, 30-year-old, 28-year-old, and bailing them out of every ditch they get in. They ain't going to ever learn how to be responsible with their money because you keep. they know they can go to mama, they can go to dad and get bailed out. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. Helping them is hurting them with the way you're doing it. Okay? So too much control crushes their insights. Too much money spoils and pacifies. And too high expectations discourage. It discourages. Look real quickly what Colossians 3 and 21 says. Um, Real quickly, Colossians 3 and 21. Glory to God. It says, fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. That don't mean, mean, Dad, that you don't discipline them, that you don't don't tell them the right thing, you instruct them, but... But don't, 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 don't have an arrogant, over-the-top attitude and, 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 and judgmental where you don't give that child a break and don't give them grace. Amen? Too high expectations can end up discouraging them. Next thing, I need you to show me what to believe by living it. Look at that. I need you to show me what to believe by living it. Not just talking about it. Watch this. I need you to know you can wound me for a lifetime. There are folks who still carrying father wounds into their 60s and 70s. 
because relationship with dad was not right. I want to teach our dads, fathers, how to be godly men and nurture and develop and instruct their children. That wound can last for a lifetime. I need you to adjust your leadership style to me as I grow. As your children grow, you can't keep treating them like they're 15. They're 25. So now you need to be counseling them. All right? And the way you do that is, guys, is, is you stop being their main supporter and be their advisor and don't give them everything. Teach them how to be a man. Teach them how to be a, a, a woman. With mothers involved. But I'm talking about dads here, fathers. Teach them. Train them so that they can get out on their own. Your goal shouldn't be to keep them at home. Pretty soon, when junior boy graduates, gets enough flying hours, get on with an airline or FedEx or, or UPS or whoever, or fly corporately or fly whatever, we're going to push him out to the nest. Now, he's one of the ones that says, you know, I'm going to stay here for a long time. Well, no. <laughs> we said that joke. Uh, okay, son. Marrera and I are going to be happy to be em- empty nesters as far as the support of children are concerned. That's the natural order thing. That's why parents don't ever get to the point to where you're allowing your child to come between you two because your child going to leave one day. And here you are pouring everything in the child and forgot about your relationship with your husband. And then, then when the child, children are gone, then now y'all look at each other. Who are you? I don't even know you. I don't even have feeling because you hadn't developed your relationship. You poured all of your energy in your children, and we ought to rear our children, but do not forget about your relationship with your spouse. Some of y'all make your children idol gods, and you can do that. I need you to adjust your leadership style to me as I grow. And lastly, I need you to love God and share him with me. I need you to love God and share him with me. Don't just bring him to church, but you love God and share your faith walk with him. A true father will do those things. A good, good father will do those things. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.